Well, that, you know, this is a, a little water offering which we are making, you know, instead of incense, because we can't do that in here. So we pour the water usually in the morning, and then, uh, you know, after the evening sit, I think someone was probably designated, maybe you, Emily? <laughs> Thank you. You know, that after the evening sit, take the water outside to a tree and share so the blessing of our practice, you know, symbolically with a, with a tree or a shrub or whatever Emily chooses, and then bring back the bowl and then the next day again, and we do that every day. And um, So if any of you have heard of Dr. Emoto, who's uh, done those experiments on water, of how, the, how our intention or speech... Uh, affects the the the, the, the uh, structure of water. So if we say or seeing or intend uh, wholesome, beautiful intentions, the water um, well they they freeze it very fast, and it creates very beautiful symmetrical um, like snowflake type structures, crystals. crystals. And if it's if you say you know cruel, hateful thoughts, uh, words to it, or thoughts towards it, then it's all kind of blobby. So if you think about our bodies, are about, I think, 70% water, what we say and to each other and to ourselves makes a difference. So we'll be chanting, and the water can pick up that, those good vibes, and then we'll send it out to put it out to the trees and the earth. Yeah. And and we thought, you know, this evening we're gonna do the highest blessing chant. You know, and I just thought this is actually here in the chanting book as well. It's in the chanting book, yeah. Yeah, we don't because need we those, have it. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. So because you know, before we weren't quite sure what kind of chanting book they're having here, and it's actually a much more um, sophisticated book than we thought they have. So we can actually do the chant here on page forty-six. That's actually just one line, a little bit different. Uh-huh. You know, it's it's here, sister. The force from the end, you'll see. So. Turn around, yeah. Yeah. And this chant is called like the <laughs> highest blessing chant. So now I'm caught here, so take it again. Page 46. And it's quite related, you know, with the theme of the Noble Eightfold Path, actually. This chant, this is where we thought we'd do today. Let us chant the verses on the highest blessings. Thus have I heard that the Blessed One was staying at Savati, residing at the Jetta's Grove in Anatta Pindika's Park. 
Then in the dark of the night a radiant deva illuminated Orchetta's grove. She bowed down low before the Blessed One. Then standing to one side she said, Devas are concerned for happiness and ever long for peace. The same is true for humankind. What then are the highest blessings? Avoiding those of foolish ways, associating with the wise, and honoring those worthy of honor. These are the highest blessings. Living in places of suitable kinds, with the fruits of past good deeds, and guided by the rightful way. These are the highest blessings, accomplished in learning and crafts and skills, with discipline highly trained, and speech that is true and pleasant to hear. These are the highest blessings, providing for mother and father's support, and cherishing family, and ways of work that harm no being. These are the highest blessings, generosity and a righteous life, offering help to relatives and kin, and acting in ways that leave no blame. These are the highest blessings, steadfast in restraint and shunning evil ways, avoiding intoxicants that dull the mind, and heedfulness in all things that arise. These are the highest blessings, respectfulness and being of humble ways, contentment and gratitude, and hearing the Dhamma frequently taught. These are the highest blessings, patience and willingness to accept one's faults, seeing venerated seekers of the truth, and sharing often the words of Dhamma. These are the highest blessings, <coughs> ardent commitment to the holy life, seeing for oneself the noble truth, and the realization of Nibbana. These are the highest blessings, although in contact with the world, Unshaken the mind remains, beyond all sorrows, spotless, secure. These are the highest blessings. They who live by following this path, no victory wherever they go, and every place for them is safe. These are the highest blessings. So now we have a sit of like about 45 minutes.
<clears throat> so we have a short break if you need to go to the bathroom and then in about five minutes Ayanana Bodhi is going to offer Dhamma reflection. So please be back. Thank you.
So I'd like to invite everyone to chant with me. If you if you have this, if you don't have this little one, please uh, pick one up. There are a few more out there, and you can use either side. We're going to be chanting in Pali. Uh, on one side, it's just in Pali, and on the other side, it's in English and and Pali underneath. So whichever is easier for you to read. And uh, this is the the Buddha's. Noble Eightfold Path, and I thought it'd be nice to chant it every evening, so that you start to get familiar with it, and it can be like a mantra that uh, can stay with you. Because I've found that you know, even if you might not be able to, you know, give the uh, exact translation of the Pali word, if you if you get to know the sound and you get to know the meaning, and you use just the Pali rather than the English words. You kind of skip the conceptual mind, and it, it kind of goes straight to the heart. So uh, that's my experience, anyway. So I, I thought it'd be nice to during this retreat to learn this together, and we'll do it together each night, and you can practice it on your own, also quietly. Um, it's just very short, and. Um, yeah, really, let's just chant and I'll speak afterwards. So we're doing the, the chant on this little sheet of paper. Yeah, good. Sammaditti <coughs> sammasankap Sama Vacha Sama Kamanto Sama Ajivo Sama Vayamo Sama Sati Sama Samadhi So let's, uh, we could do it three times. And if you're looking on the side with only the Pali, there is, if there's a line above uh, a vowel that means it's long and uh, there's maybe one missing now the third r- l- line third oh yes I've missed the long A on the Samas Bacha so you have to add that one in um, the dots are a little bit more uh, subtle but we can don't worry too much about those <laughs> <laughs> it's difficult for me to explain it do it properly so let's do it. So we'll do it again one more time and then another time. So three all together. Samaditi Samasankapo Samavacha Samakamanto Samajiwa Samavayamo Samasati Samasamadi Samaditi Samasankapo Samavacha Samakamanto Samahajiwo Samavayamo Samasati Samasamadi So we, uh, a long time ago, we we made a title for this retreat. Uh, we called it the Middle Way, 
and conveniently it has these uh, it's a 10 day retreat which means you have 8 full days so there's a nice steady rhythm for each of the folds of the eightfold path and so tonight I want to speak a little bit about right right view samaditi and first of all I want to say just a little bit about the word samma so that gets translated in different ways here it's right it's, it's sort of the old way of translating it was to, is to say right and then uh, in the west people have kind of had a bit of a problem with that because it's like this is right and that's wrong and, and so it's been often translated as wise uh, wise is a bit more of a free translation so but you can call it wise view the 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 interpretation i like most is um well there's also you can call it perfect which could be problematic for some people perfect view but uh, the meaning that i i enjoy most or appreciate most is uh, attuned so it's a, a bit like if you have a stringed instrument and and you're tuning it so that it's at, at just the right pitch then that that string is samma it's it's perfectly tuned and then it can get flat you know or it can get we can do it too sharp but if it's just right it's samma so that's the the meaning that speaks to me most and and it is like that it is like you know when you if if ever you've played a, an instrument um you know you might be pl- you might tune it perfectly and then you go into a, a you know you're in this room and you tune it perfectly then you go outside it's all going to be it's all going to change because the climate's different so the the strings will contract in the cold or if you go into a very hot place they'll they'll stretch and so you have to tune it up and it is like that with the with the eightfold path it's not just like a fixed thing and you get it down and you're done and you're someone who's got the eightfold path it's a it's a constant attunement it's a constant listening and and recognizing and attuning so uh so that word samma is uh you know it's it's, it's a key um, way of holding the uh, the path and uh so right view ditti is generally translated as view uh, sometimes people translate it as right intention, but I, I like view because it's uh, a way of seeing. It is actually seeing in the in the in the in a way that's aligned with truth. So, I just want a little quote from the Buddha. I see no factor so responsible for the arising of unwholesome states of mind as wrong view. Wrong view is ditti. And I see no factor so helpful for the arising of wholesome states of mind as right view. There is no single factor so responsible for the suffering of living beings as wrong view. And there is no, no factor so potent in promoting the good of living beings as right view. So as you can see, right view is very, very important. And uh, you know, when I was I was looking up because that's sort of what I know, and then I like to look up a little bit more. You know, what do I, what don't I know about right view, which is which is uh, a fair bit. Uh, looking in the suttas and uh, 
various teachings about what is the breadth of right view and, and basically the whole of the Buddha's teaching could be considered all that points to right view. So, uh, and right view is seeing things in alignment with truth, seeing things in alignment with reality. So, as reflecting on that, you know, seeing things in 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 um, alignment with truth is, in a simple, simply put, it's it's an understanding that everything is changing, all the time. Nothing is fixed. That every every thing, everything that we call a thing, has has come into being, is going through a process and will fall apart. Every living being has come into being, been born, it's going through a process, aging, you know, breathing, all of that, and will fall apart, physically, die, and the what makes this, this Ananda Bodhi will become many other things, you know, when the, when the last breath leaves this body. And uh, that's, that's the truth of the way things are. And uh, so there's, that's true of things, and it's also true of the, the more subtle experience. So we, we can look for pleasant sensual experiences, a, a, nice, a nice sound, a nice, a nice thing to look at, a nice touch, whatever it might be. And uh, you know, people can orientate their whole lives around trying to find pleasant sensual experiences and get a lot of that going. But that is the, the sense experience is changing all the time. It's so it's so temporal. It isn't even a something. It is. It isn't even. You can't even call it anything. <laughs> it's so It's so. Uh, it's so impermanent. It's so. It's so temporal. So that's something we can maybe um, I might come back to later on. Uh, so right view is is view that's aligned with the truth of this, the truth of of change, and knowing that everything is changing. You know, then if if we're seeking happiness or or satisfaction or safety or security in that which is changing, we're going to find dukkha. It's going to be dukkha. It's going to be difficult. It's going to be stressful. It's going to be disappointing. Because what is changing cannot give us lasting happiness. It can't, can't give us security or safety. So at the end of that chant of the highest blessings, there's the, the beautiful last couple of lines, that, and every place for them is safe. These are the highest blessings. And every place is safe, not because they've found a safe place, but because one who is dwelling, who is, who is present in this ever-changing state, ever-changing experience, who's, who remains present with the constant changing nature of things. In that place of presence there is safety. Because, it, because one is uh, aligned with truth. So, and then reflecting on the, you know, what, uh, no, I see no factors so potent in promoting the, or so responsible for the suffering of living beings as wrong view. And you kind of look out there, you know, look at the news, 
look at what people are doing in the world and it's it's based on in a lot of a lot of what we hear about i don't think it's the entirety of what's going on but a lot of what we hear about is the result of greed a greed for material wealth greed for power greed for money and and possessions and land property all of that and uh hatred fear and uh, large doses of delusion so as you can see you know that produces an enormous amount of suffering for living beings so uh the wrong view is is what is most promoted you know we're not we don't learn right view in school we don't learn right view at home generally we learn wrong view we learn to a large degree we learn you know i am really me and uh getting what i want will really give me happiness and uh if i push away what i don't like that will lead to greater happiness this is what we learn and that's actually just a, a recipe for more and more dukkha so uh so aligning with with the right view is aligning with what is true and there's the you know there's the the more subtle truths or the more the the higher truths and then there's the the more ordinary truths so the you know there's a danger when we look at the when we look at everything as impermanent that we don't respect the sentience the you know the 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 tenderness the vulnerability of of being a sentient being and so there's also the the what's often called mundane right view uh, which is relating to this this physical world and this this relational world so uh, recognizing you know we we are born from mother and f- you know we, we our, our birth is is the result of mother and father there is mother there is father there's a uh, benefit to generosity generosity is a, is a good thing uh there's the result and of good and bad action so what we do in the world has a has an effect on ourselves and on others so this is this is also reality you might think well of course it is you know but uh it's there's a there's a potential when we see the emptiness of all things or the changing nature of all things to not really value enough the the sentience and the sensitivity and the and the importance of ethics and of uh, care around each other and of um you know the power of generosity the power of kindness and patience and these qualities they they're meaningful they are uh, they you know how we think and speak and act is powerful it it matters it it influences the world so with with right view it's uh, right view is a great support for cultivating those those wholesome qualities because uh generally you know, the unwholesome comes around through a sense of self i want i'm afraid i hate i need you know the it's 
the the sense of the, the solid sense of self is what's what's wanting and not wanting. So uh, when we have that support of the of right view of the of the higher right view of, of like ultimately this is a process going on here. Then uh, then when we when we can connect with that in the moment, it's easier to let go of say an attachment to a view of a wrong view or to feel like I have to get what I want or I have to get rid of that difficult thing. It's easier to to um, let go when we know that this is actually this, you know, this, this body, these feelings, these thoughts, these perceptions, these sense experiences that, you know, that is really in some ways like the totality of our world that this is uh, not as real as it appears to be so when we have that as a as a reflection it's easier to let go it's easier to to release the grip when we get uh, tense or fearful or angry or greedy so uh, so one supports the other the 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 more subtle or profound right view supports the you know the the generosity the appreciation the the care and uh, and also living in a way that is that is wholesome in that way supports the arising of wisdom so we're not carrying around heavy baggage of regrets you know, we're not burdened with all the things that we wish we'd done or hadn't done. But there's, there can be this, a basic sense of at least, at least okayness. You know, we tend to be not that great at feeling good about ourselves, but, you know, at least okayness. And uh, I was just reflecting as I was sitting and looking out at the, everyone here, you know, thinking, well, for everybody, for you all to be here, there's got to be some right view operating that you got here that there's there's an orientation to the dhamma there's uh, effort made to to come you know to make the time to come here and uh, and everybody's taken the precepts so there's the you know there's a there's an intention towards wholesome wholesome action or wholesome or or not doing unwholesome action so that's uh, that's the the fruit of right view, and then we can. So we so just to just I want to just say that so that you recognise each person here that there's that right view is is strong in you that you are here already, and uh, the, that there's uh, there's a, there's a lot of clarity and wisdom that's brought you here, even if you're sitting here feeling confused and. And wondering what on earth you know you're doing, don't worry about that. <laughs> changes, it changes. So um, one of the so there are, there are actually many many ways, many different parts of the teaching that point to. Uh, that, that that are pointing to right view, and the, and the one that's most classically mentioned is uh, are the four noble truths. Uh, 
which is the the, the heart of the Buddha's teaching. And uh, in a way, these these noble truths they they're mentioned so often that they can almost become something that's just sort of known in the mind. You know, you can tick them off. Oh yeah, those four noble truths. You know, um, there is there is dukkha or unsatisfactoriness. There is a cause. There is the cessation of dukkha, and there is the path that leads to the cessation of dukkha, which is this noble eightfold path that we chanted. So I've noticed that because there's, it's, that there's a way that it can just stay up here. But it's very important that it's actually brought into here, into our, into our realized experience in the moment. So uh, right at the beginning when I, when I sat down here, I was aware that I'm going to give the talk tonight. And uh, usually I, I'm, I'm kind of okay, but somehow tonight there's this sense of like, Ooh. Oh gosh, I've got to give the talk tonight. And there's this tension and a and, um, little bit of uh, anxiety and wondering, am I going to get, is anything going to come out? Is it going to be coherent? This is kind of going on. And then sitting with that, you know, it's, it's, it's dukkha, this is dukkha. And then uh, when I notice this is dukkha, it's like, well, where's this dukkha coming from? Well, it's coming from a sense of self. It's coming from a sense of like, I want to be able to, you know, convey something to you that's useful and I want to be able to give a decent talk and it's the first talk, of, proper talk of the retreat. And so there's this sort of, it's a, it's a bit of a muddle actually of good intention of wanting to offer something beneficial and self, wanting it to sound good or be good or whatever and not to, not to dry up halfway through and all of that stuff. So then, then I was looking at that. Oh, there, that's uh, that's where the the dukkha arises, in a perception of me, in time, in relation to you, out there, and uh, and a, and, a, and a wanting things to be a certain way. So that is a recipe for dukkha. <laughs> you know, whatever it might be that we're doing that with, that is a recipe for dukkha to arise. And so then, just recognizing that, and then. Breathing, relaxing the body, and then reflecting on the teachings. And then I found, oh, when I reflect on the teaching, it's very peaceful. Body relaxes. There's no, there's no problem. It's actually very uplifting. So, uh, so that's shifting from from wrong view to right view. And when there's right view, the result is. A uh, sense of well-being, and when there's wrong view, the result is dukkha, and that we can just notice in any moment, in any moment. So, uh, rather than trying to become somebody who isn't suffering, which is often our motivation, it's more useful to to notice when suffering has arisen, when dukkha, suffering is maybe too strong, but when dukkha has arisen, maybe it's uh, fear or tension or um, irritation or whatever it might be. So dukkha is arisen and then get interested in that dukkha and see if you can trace it back. Where's it, where's it, where does it come from? What's causing that dukkha? And then once you see what it is, so for me there it's that sense of, of self and wanting, those two things, then, uh, then there's an opportunity to let go, to, uh, to, 
to make space around that and maybe to shift our attention to something that isn't caught in that story. And the, the, the sense of self is basically a story. That's basically what it is. It's a story that we tell ourselves. And the story changes, you know. The, the story that we remember can change. You know, we might remember one terrible story and then we can remember the same scenario from a completely different perspective. And then it's like quite a good story. Or uh, we might have the story of, of who we are how we are and then if I think back to when I first started to meditate and the story of who the story inside of who I was then and the story inside now when the story arises they're they're different. They've got different content, thankfully. <laughs> it wasn't a great story back then. <laughs> so um so, but just recognizing that, that that's kind of what it is. It's, it's a story, that this story of self, this story of me and mine and, and uh, my world, my relationships. So I was recently um, back in the UK and I, I visited a, an old friend I hadn't seen for quite a long time. And uh, she's a very talented woman with many, many wonderful skills. And one of her talents is storytelling. And uh, so I got to enjoy one of her stories, which was just a spontaneous story. But, uh, you know, we were talking about some difficult things that had happened with somebody that we both knew and, and cared about. And uh, I know that I found myself trying to make sense of it, trying to make sense of it, just telling, and I'd come out with these different s- stories to try and make sense of what had happened. And And then she would be, you know, really that's just a story, you know. And I'll be like, oh yeah. And then I can see in my mind, oh, no, I want to make sense of it. I want to I wanna make it okay in some way. And and then it's like, and I'd come out with something and she'd say, well, you know, you can tell that story or you can tell another story or you can tell another story and any of them could be right and, and any of them could be wrong. And it was it was so helpful. It was very, It was quite profound actually just to, it's like, well, that's the truth of it. We tell these stories about who we are, what we are, what life is, where we're going, where we came from, and they are stories, and they can ch- and they change. So, uh, you know, I think I sort of feel like I need to again sort of talk about the ultimate and the and the mundane because sometimes we need a story. Sometimes we need to have that story and to tell us to a story in order for things to heal and to to move through uh, but sometimes we just hold on to a story because it feels more safe than not holding on we can hold on to the most awful stories because it feels more safe to hold on to something than to let go into everything so uh, it's something you can explore in yourself you know it's not like telling stories is wrong or you, know, you should just let go of all stories, but just to know a story as a story. And then to, to maybe see, like, well, what would it be like if I didn't know? If I just de- don't know? What's that like?
the irony is that when we, particularly if we tell a story about the future, or sometimes about uh, about relationship, we tell a story about who a person is to us, or who they are, who the, who I think, who we think they are to a, the other way around. However you say that, um, we can tell a story about that and, and start to believe it and think it's real, and yet it may be just, it may not be. So, uh, so it's it's just to know to 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 have the the faith in a way to explore what is it like to not know, what is it like to be not quite sure. Just to 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 dwell in that place of not sure. It's like it's like holding holding something like this. Find us something. So it's like. I know how it is. I know how it is. It's like this. It's like this. I know. Or, um, not sure. It's kind of like this. It could be like that. I'm not really sure. It's like that's, that's the difference. It's going from this to this. It's much lighter, actually. It's much less energy needed. But it can be a little scary because we think we have to hold on tight. <coughs> so, uh, right view. You know, if we, if we, when we have that right view, we notice that the effect is body relaxes, mind relaxes, heart opens. Uh, where it's, it's easier to do something generous or kind or courageous when there's when there's right view because that that sense of of me and having to protect myself or build myself up is irrelevant or it's uh, maybe not irrelevant maybe irrelevance too much but it's uh, it's it's held much lighter just as I was holding that striker is held much lighter, so there's a there can be a playfulness, a curiosity, uh, a willingness to to explore that that we don't have when we we're holding to a fixed idea of who we are or who we should be, or who others are, or how it should be. So. Uh, so the the noble truth there is dukkha, and uh, there is a cause of dukkha, and the cause of dukkha is is clinging, and uh, it also can be craving, um, and the the cessation of dukkha is letting go of that clinging or that attachment. And then the path that leads to the cessation of dukkha is this, this noble eightfold path, which is a whole life path. It's not just one little thing I do. It's the whole framework for a life. You know, it includes uh, it includes the way we you know, there's, there's, there's right, the right view. There's the way we use our thoughts, which we can speak about tomorrow. Our speech, our action. It's uh, the way we make a livelihood, um, the uh, the effort 
to uh, nourish and to support what is beneficial and and diminish what is harmful. And uh, good old sati, which is a constant friend to mindfulness, constant friend to the practice, and uh, concentration or collectedness. So that 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 path encompasses pretty much it's it's, it's for for the whole of our life. It's not just for coming on retreat, sitting on the cushion. It's all of it. And that uh, eightfold path is a path that leads to awakening. It's a path that leads to liberation. So it's very, very important. And uh, we'll be going into it in, in more depth over this retreat. And uh, I hope that uh, all of us actually together learn and and realize and understand a little more deeply as we go through this time together the this you know, that we that we experience and understand more deeply this eightfold path because the the more the more the deeper we know it the more we're living it the more we we are the path and uh and it's although it is a it is a path it's not a, like a and it, although one does support another, so like right under right view, totally supports right speech, right action, right livelihood. It totally supports the the ongoing of the path. But it's not like everything has to be done step by step. They 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 you can think of them as spokes of a wheel, or a, or as a spiral. They uh, they all need to be uh, cultivated nourished so we've got that pointer now um, when there's when dukkha has arisen when there's dukkha which there's bound to be at times then there's a cause to that so it'd be interesting be curious what is the cause Where's that cause lie? <coughs> and there's always the possibility for for the cessation of that dukkha. In fact, it's inevitably going to end anyway, as all things do. But uh, we can help that along if we if we see clearly. And uh, and I was saying a little earlier, it's not that we try to create ourselves as a someone who isn't clinging. This is one of the great mistakes try to become someone who doesn't attach, who doesn't cling, who's not, you know, not a clinging kind of a person. <laughs> but it's more that the clinging creates the sense of self. The clinging creates the sense of separate self. And there the whole complicated mess begins. So, uh, so that's why I really want to emphasize when you notice that 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 dukkha is a, has arisen. If you if you turn towards it and are interested in it, not afraid of it, not afraid to go, not afraid to allow yourself to fully feel it, to know what it feels like. Our, our teacher in England he used to say, Ajahn Sumedho, he would say, stand under it. Stand, there there is dukkha. Dukkha should be understood. Dukkha has been understood. That's the first 
part of the Four Noble Truths, the first truth. So he would say, it should be understood, stand under it. Stand under the dukkha and like fully let it rain on you. Let it run down your back, let it, let it be known viscerally. And then when you know it, you know where it comes from, then there's more, it's much easier to let go. But if we're trying to know it like that, because we're a bit afraid of it, then, then we don't really get to know it. So just uh, coming back one more time to the that image of tuning the strings and just remembering that through this retreat that each of these uh, folds in the path are like attunements. We're attuning our, attuning our understanding and attention to, to truth and that uh, attunement it can only happen in the in the present moment. It can only happen now. It's not something we've done. We do it, it's done. It's uh, it's an ongoing, it takes ongoing presence and interest and willingness and investigation and uh, and making those adjustments. Even as I say making those adjustments, I think, no, that's not, that's not quite right. Because then there's me doing it in order to get a result again. So it's uh, it's more like, okay, let go, let go. Or pick something wholesome up. So it's more like that. So I hope there's something useful in what I've said tonight and that uh, you can you know, really um, make use of it over this time. And that uh, all of us, not just you, actually me too, that we can deepen our understanding of the the path and uh, enjoy the results of that. So for that tonight. So we can end with a chant and then afterwards we're going to to leave and if you want to continue sitting longer this is totally fine the hall here is available you know 24 7 actually mm-hmm. and then I also want to say tomorrow morning you know when we come back and we meet here there's a wake up bell at 5 and then we meet at 5 30 and we start with the sit, so it will be quite dark here in the hall because we don't need any light when we start sitting. And uh, then at the end of the sit, we're going to do a little chanting. And uh, so that you're not surprised when you come in tomorrow. It won't be as bright as it is now because it's actually quite beautiful in the morning to sit and see, you know, if mm. there's, I don't know at this time of day how it is currently. By six thirty, if the you know if the light has already come, but it's yes, a very it's beautiful okay. time of day. Mm-hmm. It's 
So I was thinking we can do the sharing of blessings. Mm -hmm. Just not quite sure which page that is. Oh, seven, I think. A page thirty-three. It's called "Verses of Sharing and Aspiration." You know, and if you if you wish, you know, while we do this chanting, you can. If there's anybody in your lives, yeah, who needs a bit of uh, good energy. You could like you know hold an image of that person in your mind in your heart while we do the chanting and share you know the good energy of your practice today with with those people <coughs> now let us chant the verses of sharing and aspiration. Through the goodness that arises from my practice. May my spiritual teachers and guides of great virtue, my mother, my father, and my relatives, <coughs> the sun and the moon, and all virtuous leaders of the world, may the highest heavens and evil forces Celestial beings, guardian spirits of the earth, and the Lord of death, may those who are friendly, indifferent, or hostile, may all beings receive the blessings of my life, may they soon attain the threefold bliss, and realize the deathless through the goodness that arises from my practice and through this act of sharing. May all desires and attachments quickly cease <coughs> and all harmful states of mind until I realize Nibbana in every kind of birth, may I have an upright mind, with mindfulness and wisdom, austerity and vigor. May the forces of delusion not take hold, nor weaken my resolve. The Buddha is my excellent refuge, Unsurpassed is the protection of the Dhamma. The solitary Buddha is my noble guide. The Sangha is my supreme support. Through the supreme power of all these, may darkness and delusion be dispelled. <coughs> Should I say something about that God? Or we just stay with God? Yeah. Yeah. If you want to, we're, we're having a kind of conversations so we have to tell people. 
you know, because we just sometimes stumble over a word or two because we have, you know, we have this similar chanting book in our monastery, but they have some words are translated differently. For example, in we our We chose book, to change the words, actually. So because we have, for example, uh, you know, the, it's in the female version and then the male version is in brackets as opposed to most other chanting books where there's, you know, it's in a male version and the female version is in brackets. And then also we have translated the word gods. We have trans. We have Davis. Like, we, have, we write Davis, you know, which is Davis are celestial beings, but they are not like a god in the sense, you know, how we understand it in the West. So, but because you know we couldn't, we didn't want to bring a hundred chanting books, <laughs> so we just said we're gonna go with those chanting books, and. So we might ch- so you might be chanting gods and we're chanting Davis. Don't worry about it. <laughs> yeah, and then also the Lord. Yes, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Is the Lord in there? I think mm-hmm. so. For example, no, it isn't. It isn't. It's guide. <laughs> they changed it. They actually really? changed their book to f- the, to what we did. It was very really? nice. Yeah, guide. It says guide. Yeah. Okay, great. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We'll see as we go along. <laughs> we'll see as we go. Yeah, there are a few because we chanted these chants for years in in the UK, and then there are certain things we're like, oh, that doesn't sit right. So when we moved over here, we made our own chanting book for our monastery that was a bit more. Uh, it was very similar actually, but it was just slightly tailored to our needs, and uh, so we changed a few words here and there and added a chant here and there and. And now we're planning a, a bit more of a radical change to the chanting book. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Okay, so then we see you tomorrow morning. Uh, yeah, and have a, a good sleep. Uh, the waking up bell will be at 5 in the morning, 5. And then we meet here at 5.30. <clears throat> and I just want to say, because uh, waking bell at, at five might seem a bit like, oh my goodness, you know. Um, when you wake up, don't think about getting up, just get up. It's <laughs> <laughs> my advice. Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.